What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hard Hitters Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things music of every genre. Today, we are joined by the band Play Fight. We have Stu and John. Say hello. What's hello. up? How's it going? It's good. How are you guys? Pretty good. It's a little uh, beauty sunny day here in Toronto. And Midland. <laughs> and Midland. Um, yeah. So... I think I'm going to start off by just reading a um, little excerpt of, you know, what your band is about, and then we're going to hop into a fun game. I don't know if you guys were prepared to play a game, but we're going to play a game regardless. Sounds good. Um, So, Play Fight is a four-piece pop-punk band based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, pulling influence from early pop-punk, easy core, and modern sad boy styles that create a well-rounded sound that audiences are sure to enjoy, which is true. Um... I, I think that definitely encapsulates what you guys are. Cause it's like, to me, it's almost like if a like story so far and blink had a baby, like that's kind of what I, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I think, I think to get to know you guys, we're going to start with, um, a little game. Um, so we're going to start with your top three favorite bands of all time. Not necessarily pop punk bands, but just bands in general, okay, and good. I know that's going to suck. <laughs> but you guys got to say th- top three. I mean, I already know my top three. It's MXPX, um, Jesus Peace, and um, the early November, I guess. I'm, well, I'm wearing their shirt, but yeah, the early November. Yeah. Can you give us a little insight on kind of like why those bands are, are so high on your, your priority list? So MXPX got me into um into like punk really um or alternative music because i kind of grew up like my mom brought us to church every sunday and uh, i had a youth pastor who would listen to like rancid and mxpx and he's like oh you'll love this band like he's like you're you're like a nine-year-old kid full of piss and vinegar here you go and i've just been hooked ever since and that kind of got me into pop punk and more so into heavier music. Um, Jesus Peace right now uh, is a big one because I just find everything they do to just be insane, loud, loud, <laughs> violent, and just perfectly done. It's they're honestly the perfect heavy band. Just their stage presence, how how they can control a whole crowd. And you just even watch from their uh, This Is Hardcore Fest set, and it's just wild. Like, And Early November is uh, a band I found on Pure Volume a long time ago. And I just, it's like the perfect amount of emo without straying too far from the copypasta version of it um, or to the the mainstream, almost like your, your... uh, mall emo if you will like your my chemical right. romance your used uh say ocean um but yeah it, that i think that's why because it's just like they have songs that are loud and lively but they also have those somber those somber songs that you're like i want to be sad today i'm gonna listen to this early november or i'm gonna go for a drive and just want to relax early november yeah so they they just have they have music for everything and say I'm not familiar with the early November. I've never heard that name in my entire life, which I don't oh. know if that's a sin to the emo community or not. 
Um, not really. They're they're one of those they're one of those bands that are almost very like, culty. Yeah, like almost like the Wonder Years, where they're big but not really known. Yeah. Um, like you talk to somebody who's super into pop punk, they're like, "Yo, the Wonder Years, they're the biggest band in the world." You talk to a normie, and they're like, uh, the, the show from the 80s, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're they're big, but they're not well-known. Right. Um, they're big for what they do. And actually, he does... Uh, so Ace Enders, uh, who's the front man for that, he does a lot of co-writes um, for some of the bands on Hopeless Records. Gotcha. So he's helped with... Um, uh, Soupy's side project, Aaron West. He's okay. he's co-written for that, and he's actually worked with uh, his solo his solo stuff. He's co-written for some of that as well. Yeah, the Wonder Years are a weird band, though. Like it's like they're big, but they're not big at the same time. Exactly. Like, they're honestly they're the again they're the perfect band. I'm gonna say that about I say that about th- three bands, um, and the other one being Thrice. Um, Oh, so good. Right? Thrice so, so the, good. The Wonder Years built themselves up for longevity, yeah. which is great, because they could have very easily just went full Somerset, jump into a major label, and then get buried, which I see a lot of bands doing. They're like, oh, we we want to get on this label, this label, and this label, or we want to work with this person, this person, and this person. And they... They, they just get buried or dropped and it's just like, oh, well, that was a damn shame because what you had was going for, like, you had really good music going on, but you just weren't getting the uh, mass appeal that the label was hoping. And so Fallout Boy, they, Fallout Boy is the same way. I don't know if you knew that. Like, yeah. in their early years, they could have signed with, like, Warner Brothers or something, but they didn't Absolutely. because they were like, we know if we, we hopped on, you know, this massive label, they wouldn't... A, they wouldn't give a shit about us because, you know, we haven't done yeah. anything for them. We're not Metallica or, you know, some big mm-hmm. pop star or something. So they signed with, I think it was Island Records. Um, I think so. And so, you know what I mean? Uh, like yeah, they, thou- Thousand Island Records, I think. Yeah. That's what it's called. Is it called Thousand Could, Island? I think so, yeah. Um, nice. But, you know, they signed with a smaller label that would, like, actually pay attention to them and, like, really try to, you know, they want them to succeed because then that would look good on the label. Um, whereas yeah, and some, I think that's why I like I like labels like Fueled Like Ramen, right? Uh, Fueled by Ramen, not Fueled Like Ramen, Fueled by Ramen, because I think they were like a subsidiary of Atlantic Records. Yeah, and um, when Atlantic Records, even like going back to like with Paramore, they wanted to just sign Haley Williams to a pop deal, like a she's solo like, well, deal. No. Yeah, yeah, she's like, well, no, this is my band. Like, can we bring my band along? And they're like, yeah, but. We don't really want to make rock music. Yeah. So you go to Fueled by Ramen. Uh, we'll sign you and then sign your band separately. And just and then it became Paramore. Yeah. I always I always say, I think it's, I always make this joke. Because I'm not a big fan of all the, the Fueled by Ramen like crowd. Like all of those bands <laughs> on there, a lot of them. Um, but I always say, Fueled by Ramen is where bands go to die. That's kind of the joke yeah. I make all the time. Cause I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time bands that come from other labels to Fueled by Ramen end up turning into kind of quote unquote pop stars. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you see that too, but I always have seen that where it's like, like Panic at the Disco. You know, yeah. they turn that turned into a pop group. 
Paramore has, you know, they've they've gone away from their, you know, like emo pop punk roots. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think like there's just a whole slew of them, you know, that are on there, and it's like, you know, um, they they went away from their like it's. I feel like it's different than just like evolving as a band and totally yeah. just transforming. And well, they were bought out by Electra Music Group, right? So Electra Music Group kind of holds like every, like a bunch of different things. And yeah, you look at you look at even like All Time Low. All Time Low was another one. They're they're kind of on there and lights. They've been doing that for a while though, right? Like they've been like I mean they were never like they always had a ton of pop element in them. Like they were always closer to a pop band than a punk band yeah. i think at right. least in my eyes Absolutely. so for them it kind of makes sense i know a lot of people are going to point fingers at a day to remember because they just signed to them and put out their new album with them and it's <laughs> definitely a lot more popular but again i think it's i think you got to think of it from a songwriter's point of view to an extent and realize that like some of these bands have been around for i don't even know how many years now and it's like at some point they're going to change it up they're going to try different right. things and it's not like they're completely like I wouldn't say a lot of them are ditching their style. Like with a band like like Panic, I mean it's it's Brendan Urie. It always has been, right? So and they've always um, kind of been on that verge of pop, like like all time low, you know? Yeah, exactly. They've again, they're like they were closer to a pop band than like Fall Out Boy. Yeah, I think I like Fall Out Boy is more like especially in the early days, like they were a lot heavier than Panic ever was. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I, like- I I. I see it from both sides. Like I see it from the fan side of like, why don't, why don't you sound like you anymore? And then I also see it like, you know, songwriters get bored. Like, exactly. and, and, you know, our, our, I think our band is a good example of that because we've got stuff that's so all over the place. Like not to an extent of something like, uh, at least so far, like, <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean like not something necessarily like that or like going like from, uh, like bring me going from like Semp Eternal to That's the Spirit and then to oh. Amo. Like that's a big jump, right? And obviously like we haven't done that. We've only we're putting out our first EP in like a couple weeks. weeks. So um we obviously don't have a ton of material to like do a jump like that. But I get why people do it, you know? Like I I totally get why people want to do that because I work with tons of different genres and stuff like I do. I do heavy collabs. I do pop collabs. I do our stuff as well. I think so, it's... And then Play Fight's basically all of it meshed into one. <laughs> yeah, Play, I think... Fight, Play Fight is more of a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think there's something to be said about being different, but also having your sound. You know what I mean? Like innovating Absolutely. within your, your sound. Like, yeah. Like something like, like Counterparts, let's say. Like that's just a band. I love Counterparts. That's one of my favorite bands. Um, I like counterparts. You know, they they do. You know, they're metalcore, hardcore, whatever you want to call them. But every album has a different a different sound. Or if you want to go pop punk, Knuckle Puck, like from uh, Copacetic to whatever the other album, the next album was, and then Twenty Twenty. You know, they're all different, but they still have that like signature Knuckle Puck sound. I think it was called Shapeshifter. Shapeshifter. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. I, I yeah. I listened to Copacetic. I'm like, this is great. And then I listened to Shapeshifter. I'm like, this is Copacetic 2.0. Because uh, I found those albums, like, it to be an extension, almost like, these are songs that didn't make Copacetic, 
but right. we're going to put it on copacetic and then they came out at 2020 and that is a very polarizing album for that band very you either really like it or you don't you can't stand it yeah i'm i'm more on the the side of can't stand it i'm not i don't yeah. hate it <laughs> but like i'm not going to like go out of my way to listen to the the 2020 album yeah and that that's what i mean like it's a very polarizing album like kind of like the new um, neck deep stuff like well it's I like, don't some... like neck deep anyways but I'm saying, like, Neck Deep what, fans, yeah. like you, like me, I don't like it. I really don't. But, like, there's yeah. a lot of people that are like, dude, this is the best music Neck Deep's ever put out. You know? It's kind of the same yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I laugh because that's one thing that John and I kind of bonded over. We're like, Neck Deep? And he's like, nah. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I don't like <laughs> shitting on bands by any means. But, no. like, I just, I, I never got into them. I yeah. just, I don't know. I, like, I had so many people. I had, you know, like, people in other pop-punk bands, like, telling me to go listen to them and saying that they were influenced by them. And then I had, like, students of mine, because I teach guitar and stuff, and they were like, you got to listen to this. Like, they're so good. And I've tried. I've <laughs> tried many times, but it's just, like, and I get that. Like, so, obviously, like, Stu's three bands are very, like, pop-punk based and everything. Well, uh, I have like one slam. pop punk. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, well, there you go. I was gonna say, I, like in my top three, I literally have like one pop punk band. Well, and that's yeah. tell tell us what your your so, top three are. Yeah, so it'd be it'd be Blink One Eighty Two, Bullet for My Valentine, and it, the third spot's kind of a toss up between Parkway Drive and A Day to Remember. It's pretty solid. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of grew up on pop punk and then shifted into like the metalcore world in high school. So that's kind of how that all makes sense. Yeah. And just from a guitar playing standpoint, like metalcore is just so fun to play. Um, I mean, the chunky and that's riffs how I... and the, the crazy solos and the, you know, it's just got everything that like, you know, a young guitar player wants. You're like, I just want to play nasty riffs. Like that's all you want to do. When yeah, you're exactly. 18, you know, yeah, just pretty much. starting. And that's that's kind of the approach that I have with, with Play Fight as well. It's like every song starts with a riff, except like maybe one that isn't going to be out for a while anyways. But um, it's called Peaked in High School. That's the only one that I wrote lyrics for first and then, and then put the music to it afterwards and then sent it to Stu and was like, can you give me a second verse? Because I don't want to do a second <laughs> verse. <laughs> Because that, that's usually how it goes. Is like I'll, I'll I'll write whatever lyrics I can, and then I'll hit a point, and I'm like, "Hey, Stu, can you finish this?" Yeah. Um, well, like, yeah, and it's great too. It always you, starts with riffs, though. Yeah. Usually he'll come up with a chorus and something that's like really hooky, and he's like, "You want to write verses to this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll give it a crack at it." Uh, <laughs> and usually that's that's how it goes. Like when I first mm. when he first reached out to me, he had two fully completed songs and like i think i was like oh my god a guitarist who can write lyrics this is great so i have something someone to collaborate with and um uh, i remember first hearing the songs and i'm like oh i'm joining this band like i don't care <laughs> if she picks me i'm joining this band um <laughs> i just i love the song so much and um like immediately rushed downstairs to uh like the recording the recording room that I had at my old place and like 
laid down the track, sent them back to him, and he's like, "Yep, cool, you're in." <laughs> like, Neat. Yeah, it was a quick process. Yeah, uh, you did that. All, you did all of that while I was out playing golf, and by the time I got home, I had everything sent to me, and I was I was playing a short course there too, so you got it done pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so d- is that kind of the first song of Play Fight you'd say, or or did it kind of start before that? So technically, like I wrote Tell Me I'm Wrong in 2018. No, 2017, I think. No, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, 2018. So that's how far back that goes. Um, And then basically played it live with my old band where I was singing and playing. And then when I moved back home and ended that band and then wanted to start play fight i was like well i don't want to sing anymore i just want to play guitar but i like i still like writing lyrics and i like writing choruses especially um so luckily like the way that Stu and i do things on the writing side it's like it's super easy honestly like we we write a lot like <laughs> what what's the total at now uh let it's... me pull up let me pull up i music uh I think we just hit 40 songs. Yeah. Oh, you've got the next so, like six years of albums ready to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only since like, and we only started writing together in January. November of last year. Oh yeah. So it's been like yeah. nine months roughly of writing and you've already got yeah. 40 songs cranked out. That's insane. Yeah. Which is um, cool too, because like we, we have the problem of too much. So when we were sitting down and we were trying to put this EP together, we're like, well, what about this one? No, 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 this one fits better. And it's like, well, what about this one? Although we could do this and then, and we had options. We weren't just writing and being like, okay, um, so we need, we need to write six songs for this EP. Uh, how, like, what, what feel do we want to go for, for this EP so we can write to that feeling? We're like, all right, we have 40 songs. Like which ones, which ones are going to make the cut and which ones are going to hold like, hold on to and like which ones are we not going to prioritize for a little bit so it's a good problem to have and i think the fact that i'm now working from home most times um i literally work in my office like this this closet behind me i call my panic room um i have it hit it out to do vocal like a, yeah. a vocal booth um i can literally on my r- lunch break uh go in, record a few, record a little bit, and then go back to work. And I could send John usually a song in like two, three hours, and he he can mix and mat, mas- well, mix it at least the for that same day and kind of send us a rough mix and we can work from there. And it, it's, it's honestly a really good process, especially because I live two hours away from John and three hours away from the other guys. Gotcha. So... The fact that um, we can work remotely is incredible. Would you say, like, how do you guys ensure the quality of the song writing that fast? Because, you know, like, like for me personally, I could never write a song, you know, 40 songs in nine months. Like, in my band, well, it used to be my band. I'm not in it anymore. But um, it took us, like, three years to get one song done. Um I guess try to like, how do you guys ensure that the music's good? Cause like you could write 40 songs and they'd be absolutely trash, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, I think it's just, it comes down to experience. Like I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, yeah. I think I joined my, I joined my first band. Like, I mean, technically my first show I ever played was at my grade seven dance. So after that, I started writing songs pretty much around that time, actually. Like it wasn't anything super serious or anything, but in my head, I was trying to be like the next green day or blink or whatever. So I'd be writing down all these lyrics in my notebook and like having like, I mean, back then I didn't have anything to record with. So I would just kind of have these melodies stuck in my head. And it's kind of, it's kind of crazy actually to think like I literally have a few songs that I like wrote when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 still in my head that I've never recorded. I've never done anything with them, but I still remember the melodies, how they go every word and everything like that. Um, it's kind of a weird thing that I have where I, I just don't seem to forget the stuff that I wrote. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, as for, as for like the quality side of it, it's just like, I mean, it helps now cause I don't have to worry about the entire song myself. Cause that's how it's always been for like every other band other than, my last pop punk band, which was called Reunion, that was the only other band where I was actually like a very secondary writer. Um, I only did full lyrics for a song and and vocals, and then the rest of it was the front man Dave's. But every other band that I've been in, it's always been, I've just been writing pretty much everything. So it's kind of nice to have Stu to lean on and just be like, hey, I've hit a wall. What can you do here? And then he usually picks like, exactly what i was trying to do and like even adds a little sprinkle of yeah stewness on it <laughs> <That's my own. laughs> yeah, yeah and like for me it's the same the same thing as john like i joined my first like well touring band at 15 um and i've been i'm 30 now so i've just got 15 years of uh songwriting and playing ability like i started off as a bassist um, and then in my last band, Ocrest, I, I kind of picked up guitar and I'm like, what's this all about? And like, <laughs> went, played lead guitar for them for about five months and then, uh, work got in the way. So I, I couldn't really commit to them. And, uh, now that works being a little lenient and they're like, oh, by the way, you can work from home and you have evenings and weekends again. Um, uh, you do whatever you want, I guess. And, uh, so yeah, I've just been. I've been writing for a long time and I think the trick to writing a great song or a good song even is knowing they're not all going to be number ones. So you can, I'm not going to say take a song off, but people, people often get caught in the mindset of, I need to write, Oh, I need to write five amazing songs. But with that, you're going to write five amazing songs that are going to overshadow each other. And they're not going to, it's almost like what makes one special. Right. Right. So yeah. Right. Like I go in with the mindset of, okay, I'm not mailing this in, but I have to understand like this song might not make radio play. Whereas this song will, or this song might get a thousand plays. This one might get like 20,000. So you have to kind of go in thinking you, every time you go up to bat, you're not going to hit it out of the park, but you can at least get on base. And that's kind yeah. of my And approach. we've gone back and, yeah, we've gone back and changed stuff that we weren't happy with too. Like we literally did it like a week ago. We, um, we actually, where, yeah, we 
overhauled a song completely like lyrics other than the chorus in the bridge yeah like the the verse we we weren't happy with like it was very it it went from having like a very like radio rock pop not not pop but like a, a radio rock 90s sort of like almost like rap feel in the verse to being like, like a very yeah it was almost like that in the verse with like a riff behind it and I was just like, you know what, this just isn't doing for me. So I messaged Stu and I was like, let's change it up. So now it's it's like ten times heavier, <laughs> like yeah. throughout the entire thing. It and we tuned it down a little bit, so it's easier on his voice as well. Um, <laughs> I feel that ch- change the guitar tone up a little bit. So it basically went from like something that you know, you know, eighty percent of the song was basically like a radio rock thing to being like it's it's kind of in that like old school four years strong and eight to remember sort of yeah. feel now gotcha. almost. Yeah. Um, and I think th- again, that's, that's kind of the nice thing about <clears throat> like not being tied to one genre. Like even just the songs that we have out right now, like, like tell me I'm wrong. And so naturally they're kind of in the similar sort of pop punk vein. Uh, tell me I'm wrong is a little bit heavier. I think just cause of the breakdown and stuff, but then tidal waves, like, I mean, it's pretty much borderline metalcore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and then there's other stuff on the EP that's like, I mean, like enjoy the show has got a cool breakdown. It's got wicked riffs, um, like tapping riffs, which, and like fast ones too. Like you don't hear that in pop punk right. very much. No. And that's kind of the one thing like I was aiming to bring back is just like super fun, kind of technical riffs into pop punk again and like just making it our own and being able to change styles from song to song just kind of when we feel like it and not being so tied into one thing because i i think so many bands that like pigeonhole themselves they're really trying to recreate you know that one song they had that took off and that's kind of what they keep doing and they're always chasing that and it's like why try and recreate something when you've already done it and people already have that to listen to um I guess I guess one thing I want to touch on and get your guys' opinion on is is you know like for me there's a there's a fine line between like innovating and being different and being too different you know like like there's like a there's a line of like you know like there's like like think of a band like I don't know one right off the top of my head or I guess you could take something like like bring me the horizon going to Amo after making metalcore and, and kind of not necessarily butt rock, but you know, some like hard rock, yeah. I guess you could call it. You could call it butt rock. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hard, <laughs> hard rock. Yeah. Whatever. I, like, I know what you mean. Like, like how happy song has that kind of, it's almost still metalcore. Almost yeah. still metalcore. You know, yeah. well, that's all metalcore yeah. is now. It's, yeah. I think Finn McKenty, he even said it's, <laughs> it's, uh, architects riffs with Lincoln park choruses. Uh, basically. Um, yeah uh, yeah pretty much but, but how do you how how because you know like for me the thing is it's like you want to be different because that's you know you can only do so much being like kind of you know you know how like we have those like a hundred like you said like the metalcore thing like every band sounds almost exactly the same these days like yes. it's it's basically the same band doing something just a little bit different with a different singer is essentially what it is how do you yeah. kind of, you know, because there's like on one end you have that, and then on the other end you have something like, 
I don't know, let's say dream theater, where it's just like, you know, what the fuck's going on? Um, <laughs> but you know, like, like how do you balance that, that line between like, Oh, this is interesting. And okay. This is, this is too weird for me. I, uh, I get what you mean with that. Like, like I, I wouldn't say I love dream theater, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that <laughs> in that thing, but I, I get what you mean with that. Like a lot of prog bands are just like, it's so over the top. It's like information overload all right. the time. There's like three different riffs happening at all at once. And no one can ever seem to just stay in four, four for more than like 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> all songs yeah. Like that shit, that shit can drive me nuts. Minutes. Yeah, exactly, man. Like that, that shit can kind of drive me nuts. But again, like, there are bands like that, that I love, like I love periphery. Um, animals as leaders is awesome. Like I have a real appreciation for that technical playing because I, you know, I still like to challenge myself on guitar and try and learn some of that stuff. And, you know, the shit that like Tosin Abasi does on the guitar is ridiculous. It's like, and same crazy. with like Polyphia. Yeah. Like Tim Henson is a wizard and like seeing that sort of stuff. Like I, I get how that can be, kind of crazy um but i feel like i've kind of embraced that sort of stuff like even going back to like you know high school days and stuff like i love like enter shikari and hearing them just like genre hop from song to song and i think anybody that you know played what, what was it? it was like nhl 08 or something like that that had sorry you're not a winner in it i feel like i feel like those kind of soundtracks like between like the sports games like NHL and Madden and stuff like that and, and Tony Hawk, all of those were kind of like conditioning us for our music tastes. Right. Yeah. And I think that like people that played those games all kind of have that same sort of thing where it's like and, and you listen to those soundtracks and they literally go from like you know, especially on like a Tony Hawk things, like it goes from like chilled out rap to like, you know, like early Lamb of God on some yeah. of those I guess it was what Anthrax. like Underground Two or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like Anthrax, and then you have like old ACDC, so it's like they're kind of throwing at you like all these different genres and different time periods of bands, so you kind of get this like broad spectrum of music that like kids that were our age were getting into. So um, I've been pretty conditioned to just like accept music as it comes. There were definitely times where I was like more close minded and being like, oh, fuck this band because they have this, right? Or whatever. Like, I was never like, one of those metalcore kids that was like, oh, they added clean vocals. I'm never listening to this band again. Like, yeah. I was one of the ones that were like, oh, sick. They got clean vocals now. I can <laughs> sing some melodies with this band. Like, like when the Ghost Inside started adding in melodies, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, that's one of my um, favorite bands of all time, Ghost Inside. Yeah, I, oh, man, them live, I, I don't know if you can find a better live band. Probably stick to your uh, guns. The Chariot? Like, <laughs> any, have you guys seen The Chariot play? it's I, oh I my goodness oh the chariot i just i mean from a fan perspective too like if you are like a big ghost inside fan you see it's like a religious experience like yeah. i feel like <laughs> just like, like the way that they're like the way that their lyrics come across live like visual is such a good uh front man well, and especially... like so good at like engaging the crowd and everything and just man they're they're one of the few bands where it's like seeing them live for the first time was like a real eye opener. Um, I mean, there's, I think, even I don't know too many bands that have done that yeah. for me at least. Yeah. I think, I think now for the ghost inside, especially after all the shit that happened with the bus wreck and you know, they lost legs and we're in the hospital. Yeah. Like, like it's even more now. Like it's like, 
like if I was to see them today, like I think it would be even more than it was five years ago. Um, just because like hundred percent, the yeah. fact that yeah, I mean like their drummer still plays and he doesn't have a leg. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, and, and everything. And I think that's, I mean, on their new album stuff, they kind of touched on it. It's like, you know, they can't like, it, it was that whole mindset of like, wait, we can't give up what the hell we've we been singing about for years and yeah. years and years. And it's like sticking, sticking to that. They stuck to their guns. Ha ha. Well, good pun. S- Stu, I got, I got you there playing back to your little reference there, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. That was a terrible pun. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> you should, be. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as for like bands that are, too much i i don't really know i have more of a problem with being too little (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. like that that's like when when bands play it too safe in like middle of the road i'm like why would i want to keep listening to this that's kind of like um like the new a day to remember album like other than like a couple of songs i felt like they just put out something they knew would mass appeal for the most part a lot of it i so I don't want to, I don't want to come across as the guy that's like always going to defend these guys, but like I will say I see their point of view for wanting to try something like that, um, just because they they've always kind of had that sort of element. Like there obviously are songs where it's like a pretty big change in another direction, like songs like High Diving and stuff. Um, like it's a pretty big difference, but for me, like I still find elements in that that I like. And I feel like th- that album that they just did is like their ammo, I guess. I guess um, I guess that's a fair comparison. Because that, like, that's how I felt about ammo. Actually, like, I I latched on more to the new day I remember than I did ammo at first because I was like, like hearing what was it, medicine and mother tongue. I was like, I can't really. See, get I into really this. liked those. Songs. And even though that's the spirit, like, I didn't like follow you at all. And like I still don't like that song. See, like, see I love, I, I love, like I like Amo a lot. It took me a little while, but yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's really good. And that's the thing, right? Like you had to warm up to it, and I feel like that's that's something that people need to learn. Is like, yeah, your favorite band might have just put something out that's completely different and it might completely shock you, but if you just give it some time, you might end up jo- enjoying it over time with, and with, like that's kind of how i found yeah with that album though what? like the crazy thing to me is there's still some of the heaviest songs i've ever heard that came up like like uh what is it called bad oh yeah. friend bad friend is disgusting like it is so heavy um yeah um and like like i don't really like brick wall but like the breakdown in brick wall is absolutely gnarly yeah and like hearing hearing the approach that they had for it too like um i know like oh yeah like last chance to dance that's that's that one um yeah that really heavy one that one they uh i know they were talking about like because it was funny because you're talking about the fueled by ramen thing and i remember jeremy saying like i can't believe this is coming out on fueled by <laughs> like while he was recording it because because they did it with will putney right yeah um again like total legend um he crushed it on not only that song but the whole four year strong album that he put out with them anything uh, he touches just, turns to gold it's yeah you know, he's so good um didn't he do but the, yeah like the I, I remember album by knock loose didn't he do that one too like the new knock loose album yeah that's yeah, yeah he's he man pretty much everybody that's even slightly 
like hardcore in the metalcore world, I think he does now. <laughs> it's uh, he's a legend. Like like yeah. anything he's put out has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And like he's he's very he's very good with his production as far as like getting um Andy song writes some, I think. Like the he? artsy stuff. Artsy stuff in yeah. there. Yeah, he does co-writes, yeah. Yeah. So it's like not only is he producing these well, but a lot of the times he's helping write some on these on these yeah. records. And the Ghost Inside. Cool. He he did he did he did the entire new Ghost Inside record as oh, well. Oh, I didn't know he was on that record. Well, yeah. that's why it was so good. Aside from <laughs> it being the Ghost Inside. I mean, I was gonna say they could go to like any heavy producer and that would have been good. That's true. That's yeah. true. It's just so well written. Um I guess the the last thing I kinda wanna touch on is um you know, I guess kind of tell us, tell us what, you know, give us your, not that you have it like written down as a plan, but like kind of what are, what are the next five years looking like COVID permitting, let's say, um, if COVID lets up anytime soon, um, kind of what are your, what is the band's future in the next five years besides an EP coming out in two weeks? Yeah, I was going to say, we've definitely got enough music to put out, so it's not, so much a question of what we're going to put out. It's how <laughs> yeah, exactly um, there there's people I want to work with. Um, even just like taking, cause we do everything DIY cause John does a phenomenal job mixing and recording and producing. I'm okay at designing. Like I went to school for it and I can't justify paying mass amounts of money for someone to do the same or worse job than what we do. Yep. Um, and plus, I hate how people, like, when you say you're a DIY band, their first thing is, oh, they're shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I'm like, no, I want DIY to be good. But there are people, like, John and I both agree, like, uh, John Feldman is someone we'd like to work with. Um, I'd like to work with even just having co-writes with a few other people. But for the five years... We are looking to release a, like, we, we will have a lot of music, so we will always have content to release. Um, and yeah, COVID permitting, like, I would like to get out to, I'd like to go through the States, not just fly out, because I feel like as much as everyone kind of, like, looks at the Midwest, like, oh, it's the Midwest. Uh, growing up in a small town, if anything's happening, everyone's going. Yep. So, uh, like, I'd like to go through there and hit California to play a few shows. Uh, I have bands that I'd like to play with. Um, and, yeah, just even just grow into our, like, like I said before, we're kind of a spectrum band where we have something that's kind of along the lines of what Mod Sun and Swaco and all these little little guys are doing. But then we also have songs like Tidal Wave, where... My favorite track, by the way. Yeah, where the day <laughs> of release, people are messaging me being like, yo, you you fucking scream? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, was, that was my first... I was like, did he just do that? <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people, even my own girlfriend, she's like, I didn't know you screamed, and we've been together for like four years. <laughs> You're like, guess what? I did. Yeah, I did that. And... um there are there are songs where we incorporate that but again we don't want i don't 
necessarily want to be known as a screamy a screaming band um but at the, at the same time there if it comes if if it calls for it i'm i'm willing to do it, it anything to add to the song um like for tidal wave like john just set me up for like with that breakdown and he had that build up i'm like oh i'm screaming on this i don't even care like <laughs> so i i did that and he's just like yep cool and like we have a we have a few others that we've written where um screaming is very predominant but i don't want to just scream for the sake of screaming uh i want it to kind of like add to the dynamic and the feel of this yeah as a necessity not as just to do it for the sake of yeah doing it. yeah Kind of like how I, um, yeah, I think saying it's a necessity is, is like the best way to put it. Like, there's definitely times where, like, like like Stu said, like initially, I think I even told him right off the bat, I was like, I don't, I don't want us to be screaming. Like, I, I, I think I was saying that like when we were getting everything starting, I was like, you know what, I've done like every band that I've been in so far, pretty much has has been a, a what people would call a screaming band, other than like one of them. Um, and I was like, I kind of just want to try not screaming for a little bit. And I was also going through a period of like being kind of bored with it. But now, like, and I think Tidal Wave was that song that actually kind of broke that down for us. Was it was like, how do you not over this? Yeah. Um, it was just, it, it had to be screaming over top of it. Like there were other songs too before that where it was like, maybe we try screaming over this because um, it just seemed like it could work like like there's another song called home um that was actually originally gonna be on the ep uh we decided it's gonna be a little bit later but um that one was like i think in the bridge yeah i was like this this could potentially have screaming in it and then i sent him another idea i was like how about something like this and we did that instead but um there's definitely stuff that we have, like you said, where it's a literal necessity, where it's like you couldn't do anything other than right. screaming over this part. Well, I remember because it would just sound wrong. He even sent me, uh, so John sent me Tidal Wave, and he's like, "Now it's a heavy song, but I want maybe like two percent of it to be screaming if you have to." I'm like, "Cool." Um, <laughs> and originally, like, um, so the lyric, uh, "It's so hard." when you disapprove of it, that was going to be the only screaming in the song. Like, just to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's... He, he's he got a case of the Grumpy Wumpies. Like, that's... that, And then the bridge hit, and I'm just like... I'm like, I don't even know what i do with this. Like, and then I just got, like, this... I wrote the, like, build-up to it, and I'm like, okay, how can I how can I pull from like hardcore influence without blatantly ripping off hardcore? And we have, we actually have a uh, no black policy in our songs. I think um, that's fair. It's, it's a lifetime Sam, policy. Yeah. <laughs> Never Sam, going to expire. Sam's even said, he's like, it's overdone. I'm over it. Like, <laughs> and when the guy who comes, like when the guy who kind of like, makes it popular says all right that's it like don't it, it's done the it's dead yeah uh did sam carter say that from yeah Artex? yeah <laughs> yeah and actually you know like... what that kind 
that kind of goes back to the whole thing of like bands changing their sound. When every other band starts copying you, you have no other choice. Yeah. Well, like that, long- that's part of the thing too, right? Like if, if you can't sound like yourself and be original anymore, what's the fucking point? You're going to have to change your own sound. Think about how many bands released a song that was just the Doomsday riff. The boom, 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 boom. Wage War. I mean, they put out a whole album that was basically that. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just Architects Core. Yeah. And it was like so many, even local bands around here, like around my scene, like, when that song, like when that album came out, everyone was like, okay, gotta find the tabs for Doomsday. Either raise it or drop it a half step. And we're gonna switch three song. notes. Yeah. Not even. Like, yeah, there's basically. a song that came out. There's a song that came out um, from a local band here. And it was literally that riff verbatim over and over and over again. And then it was like a, um, almost like a kill switch engage chorus. And I'm like, Cool, you've ripped off two bands that I liked, and now I don't like them anymore. Uh, <laughs> the, the two like most ripped off bands in metal. Yeah, core. seriously. Well, yeah. which I, I'm I guilty. Was... I've I've definitely ripped off Killswitch before, hundred yeah. percent. There's three <laughs> bands that I kind of think make metalcore. There's At the Gates, uh, Killswitch Engage, and Architects. Architects Those yeah. are like the three bands that everyone kind of pulls the most influence from, and. I think that's why I kind of turned to deathcore and slam. I'm like, it's all going to sound the same, but it's great. It's all about just going there and getting the getting the 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 get, willies. Yeah, get uh, your get the get out. your your teeth knocked out. That's, Absolutely. That's... I remember being uh, I remember being like a like a 15, 16 year old kid, and we had uh, we have uh, the Lions Hall up here, uh, and they would just rent out these these little venues that we would as kids would just put shows on which is crazy because like i look back and it was almost like it was a sh- it was shows but like 18 19 year old kids were putting on they were getting these bands in like into a venue they were organizing everything and you just see a bunch of kids flailing around i think i had my nose busted like <laughs> so i played i think i put yeah, because I played high-level rugby, like, through school, like, with, like, I played on, like, a junior A rugby team. I played for college. I've bro- I've been more injured at hardcore shows than I have my entirety of rugby. And the thing is, everyone's just like, oh, crowd killing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get it. You steer clear of it. It, it You, you kind of just, you, and with the crowd killing, I'm like, okay, if you're going to bring your new friends, let them know, like, hey, these kids don't really have an outlet to release their anger. So don't anytime I've ever seen crowd killing, it hasn't just been like unwarranted. Granted it does happen. But when I was growing up, it was literally just retaliating for some dumb shit. Someone did in the pit. Right. Uh, but yeah, it it's crazy just like to see how that was built. And I forget where I'm going with this. Cause I'm rambling, but <laughs> Yeah. Then everyone came out with uh, Doomsday 2.0. So Bring back... My, my, my Deathcore fandom basically began and ended with the Doom EP. Really? Which is Job for a Cowboy that anybody... That's like that two yeah. end of a machine, isn't it? Like that. But there's Lorna Shore. It was so there's good, man. I, I, I don't like that. It's like, it's too much of... So, 
this goes back to your comment about too much. <laughs> it's like the wall of sound that happens is just like uh, it's mud to me. Like I I can't oh, I, I can't get it. behind it. Like See, I'm on there your is side. super technical. Yeah, like there's super technical stuff that I love. Like like Jason Richardson, love his playing, um, and like his stuff with Born to Osiris, I love. But there's so many bands in that genre where it's just like it's too much all at once. And I need some dynamic in it. Like I can't just have like just an assault on my ears at all times. Um, and even, like, like if you look like at like grind. old suicide, like grindcore or something, it's like I just yeah. There's no like, it, like grindcore too. <laughs> oh, you guys, like if you go if, if you go back to like that early job for a cowboy, early suicide silence and stuff. Even like suicide silence up to like the I guess until Mitch died basically. Um, I mean, like musically, they've always had that dynamic in them, and they've they've kind of so you know they know how to build up a breakdown and stuff. And I think that's a big thing, and that's why like I, I think the, the whole thing with new deathcore is it's it's trying really hard to be a shock. Yes, and it's always trying to be a shock, and that's what makes it less shocking. If that makes any sense at all, like yeah, it's like- just. The new Lord yeah. of Shores. It can never not like, be heavy for a second. Like, yeah. Like that new Lord of Shores, just like, I'm not about listening to some guy like doing a satanic ritual for seven Like minutes. throwing up. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. Hey, that like Signs of the Swarm is iconic. It's so good. But then like, you also have like bands. We, we have different views on iconic. <laughs> I know. But like, you have bands like, um, I noticed a lot of, so Josh Miller from Amir and, um, uh, Tom Barber. Yes, Darko is crazy. Darko US is crazy. Now, Tom is a boob. I will say that. I'm not a big fan of his. Um, But also, yeah, he's ex-Lorna Shore. He was in Lorna Shore. Um, And they came out with this EP, and it just bangs. Like, Mars Attacks? Uh, It's it's crazy. And the guitarist, he plays... He's a left-handed guitarist playing a right-handed eight-string upside down. Uh, he's so doing the Jimi like, Hendrix. Yeah, seriously. With an eight string. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like just, uh, I didn't know that until my buddy Alex, um, I told him about this band and he's like, yeah, I'm watching it. And this guy's playing a right-handed eight <laughs> left-handed. And I'm like, why? Like, why though? And he's like, but it's not like he switched the strings to go normally. It's yeah. he's playing it upside down. It's literally upside down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, so when I was a kid, that's how I thought Jimi Hendrix had it. I didn't know that he like switched the strings and everything. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what made it so much more impressive to me was everyone's like, oh, he switched a right-handed guitar to left and that's how he plays. I'm like, that's insane. Like everything's upside down. And then they're like, "Uh, no, it's, (laughs) he literally put the strings on the other way and everything. Absolutely. So back to your five-year plan, because we got a little distracted about death Yeah, core. sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm very much a, a core kid at heart. Like, you play death core or, like, gore grind or anything. I'm just like, oh, yes. Cause, <laughs> but, yeah, it's to be expected. Five-year plan? Yeah. I. John, anything for you? Uh, just putting out as much music as we can. I mean, it's so uh, – it. I mean, like, seeing bands – having to constantly drop off tours and everything right now it it's it, like hope is kind of dwindling for when it's really going to be back to normal because even right now like getting over the border and stuff's tricky so once that's easier then it'll be i mean like because that, that's obviously 
the goal is to start getting into the States as much as we can. Um, you know, I mean, obviously for us, it's easier to just kind of stick to the East coast cause we're over here. Um, but like Stu mentioned, like we've already talked about getting up to California doing a West coast run because I feel like that's kind of the death of bands is touring the same spot yep. over and over again and not branching out. Um, so I, I definitely don't want to be stagnant and just kind of keep touring the same, you know, it's so easy to just keep playing local shows, you know, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's a lot harder to, to branch out. And I feel like we sound accessible enough that kids anywhere would listen to it. You know, like I, I think that's kind of a way that any band should be thinking now is like, everything is so global now. There's no reason to pigeonhole yourself and being like, oh, we're like a really good Midwest emo band. It's like, okay, so only people that are in that area right, are yeah. really going to get it. And it, like, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't know why you'd want to do that to yourself. But I think we've even, yeah. noticed, we've even noticed the death of the genre um, with bands like Bill Murray, with bands like even like Billie Eilish, uh, Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo, uh, we're and with these now SoundCloud rappers moving over to emo rap, moving over to pop punk, we're noticing that like MGK, and Post, Malone, MGK Post Malone, um, like Post Malone, everyone looks and it's like, oh, he's a he's a rapper, that's he's a pop star, he's a and all that, but you follow him on social medias and he's like in Nashville just ripping like blues licks and country songs. Well, like, he was on, in a like a metalcore hardcore band band. yeah exactly for a while so like what we're noticing now and why i'm so pumped for the future of play fight is because we're noticing the death of death of genre and people are so like you're in the facebook groups you see it like this isn't pop punk blah 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 it's getting to the point now where there's less there's people we've hit like a tier that transcends gatekeeping where everyone's just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> no one cares. Like, uh, Yeah, it, it used the... to be very, like, closed off for genres. Like, I remember, like, like you said, like, you post in a group or, like, a band's fan page or forum or whatever. And people were like, what, what are you talking about that here for? Like, hmm. this is for, like, this genre only. But now it's just, like... This is yeah, metalcore. Like like, this is metallic, yeah. hardcore, and, like, alien Like, core. there's so many... Yeah, and and I think, you know, the kind of like resurgence of, yeah, like the resurgence of that, like what people are calling, like, it's kind of funny to me, but like when they say like guitar music and the fact that that's like what pop is now basically is like they're they're all turning rock now. And it's funny because like so many people for so long were like, oh, rock's basically a dead genre and it's it's dying out. Guitars are dying out. It's all turning into synths. Not anymore. And it's like. No, man, like every music always cycles like this. Like there's going to be new trends and stuff right now. It's trendy to be in a rock band. Well, it's not trendy to be in a rock band. It's trendy to be a rock artist. Yes. That's, that's, I think that's what the one thing I noticed is the more pop music is turning rock, the more rock is turning pop. And like, everyone's just meeting in the middle, like Seaway's last album, big vibe not a fan of it but i also didn't really like 80s pop rock like i like new wave which if we're gonna get into like that super niche nitty-gritty so like duran duran the cure and all that other stuff i like that but when you get into like 
80s yacht rock is i guess what it's more more so everyone's just like oh i wouldn't uh, call it that it, it's it's leaning on yacht so rock. Okay, again i'm i'm a defender that i love that album but um <laughs> i would also say it's more like because part of the reason why i like it so much is like i fucking love the cars like they're they're probably yeah. one of my favorite older bands ever and like guitar work wise it's awesome uh and i know that they covered just what i needed which is like this obviously the song that pretty much got most people into that band mm-hmm. not seaway but the cars um and i'm sure it did some good things for seaway as well but like that solo i know they didn't include it in their cover but that solo is so fun to play um and just the melodies in that song and everything just the way that they incorporate it um in i guess a poppier way but still has you know the guitar side and everything like that like i appreciate that so i'm more than on board i think i i made the comparison of like saying like their new album is basically a mix of like uh the arkells the flatliners and the cars kind of all in one yeah i i guess i guess for me it's just like it's because I hate the chorus effect. I don't like it. It hits my ear wrong. <laughs> um, and the fact that, uh, especially he, like here, you see, and I, I'm sure it's with a lot of local scenes, like one of the bigger bands in the scene, they do something and everyone tries to ride that wave. Yep. Um, so I'm just waiting for the impending, everyone's going to put out an 80s rock album. Uh, and, I mean, it's basically already happened. But... Yeah. Um, it was it's fine and anyone who knows me that says it's when i say it's fine it's like whatever um but it's easy to tell that shit apart you know like it's it's easy to tell what the original was and that's why so many people still listen architects and they don't get bothered by it because like they know that's where it came from they're not going to go listen to the other bands that are ripping them off so much at least i don't (laughs) like that's that's the main thing for me and i think i'm also just sore because john mayer just put out a yacht rock album (laughs) i i'm a big continuum fan uh i love i love john mayer trio like that's kind of what got me into john mayer um and then just hearing and and that's essentially it it's almost like um he downloaded a just a bunch of yacht rock-esque or like certain inspired so like a steve lukather inspired uh backing track and then soloed over it and sang over it and then he did the same with clapton sang over it and told over it and that's what it feels like to me and it just feels corny um and i'm kind of noticing i'm like oh god we're going through the 80s again like we did this we already did this in the early 2000s we don't need to do it again Uh, (laughs) and it's kind of funny how music is cyclical like that where we're all just gonna everyone's pulling from influence and now everyone's pulling from influences of their influences yep and it's 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 just all one big circle that's like yeah it's it's just wild and i don't know stop making 80s music please everyone (laughs) you heard it here first play fight hates 80s music well no just (laughs) hates 80s music um <laughs> that like if we could bl- like if I could Thanos snap one decade out of existence, it'd be the eighties, uh, <laughs> and that's about it. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap us up. Um, will you tell all the lovely fans at home where to find your stuff? And it'll also be in the description. Yeah. So we've got playfight.band is our website, which has literally everything on it. Um, our Instagram is just underscore playfight. Twitter is the same. Uh, Facebook is dumb, so it's Facebook slash playfight as a band because they don't allow underscores because they're lame. In case you were confused what we were about. Um, <laughs> play fight. Yeah, game. exactly. And then TikTok, yeah, underscore play fight. Perfect. And then YouTube. Yeah, is, and all those. I don't even know what our YouTube we'll, is. We'll, <laughs> Just search we'll play fight and you'll find yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll put yeah. those in the description of the, the podcast as well. Um, yeah, we have we have a link tree that can direct you to all that. See, and even it's better. Like literally yeah. Linked so if you find link. one, you'll find them all from exactly. there. All right. One technology. Them all in, in the darkness, bind them, and what or whatever Harry Potter said. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a pleasure having you guys on. Uh, we talked for a long time, um, but I didn't get bored, and I'm glad that we sorted out that uh, Stu only likes metalcore and deathcore, but he's in a pop punk band. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> he likes Blink and then Jesus Peace. You know, that's yeah. that's all I learned today. Well, I think. Because John and I mentioned this in another podcast. Yeah, like, we both like heavier music. But for me, my heavy music, I enjoy it from a listener's perspective. I think playing pop punk is the most fun thing in the world. Um, And that's what we wanted. We wanted something fun. Because if it's not fun, it's not built for longevity. Um, You look at bands now who are touring because they have to. And like you could just see in their performance the passion's gone um and it i wanted to do something fun and i know where it's like yeah i'm all about like getting my face kicked in at these deathcore shows slam shows or this is hardcore but at the end of the day like what am i really so angry about that i need to be a part of that community contributing so but yeah pop punk pop punk's just more fun to play well, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, play fight, John and Stu. It was, uh, it was, it was nice meeting you lovely fellers. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll have the description filled up with all their information. Uh, you should definitely check them out, a special title wave because it's my favorite song. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to cut it and I will see you guys in the next podcast.